Shalom Aleichem. Welcome to the Schmooze, the Yiddish Book Center's podcast. I'm Lisa Newman, and today I'm visiting with Jack Berger. He's a retired, uh, after 30 years, as vice president at Citibank N.A. He also um, has nurtured a lifelong interest in the history of the Jewish experience in Eastern Europe, to which he traces his family roots. He maintains an extensive family genealogy and has become a published author in the area of Holocaust history. His landmark translation of Yisker Bicker can be found in libraries all over the English-speaking world. Jack, welcome. I've really been looking forward to this conversation since I first learned of your interest in the work that you've been doing to get these Yisker books translated. So it's great to have you here today. Thank you, Lisa. It's a pleasure to be here and a pleasure to talk to you. So uh, let's start just to talk a little bit about your background and your sort of Yiddish roots, etc. Um, can you talk a bit about your childhood? Did you grow up in a Yiddish-speaking home? Oh, yes. That's, I think that's the, uh, the root of the entire capability. Uh, I was raised in my maternal grandmother's home, uh, which was exclusively Yiddish-speaking, uh, these were immigrants who came over in 1921. My mother at the time was a seven-year-old girl. And um, uh, when I was born, uh, the first language I heard was Yiddish. And I think I spoke only Yiddish until I was about two, perhaps three years old, when I was allowed to go down into the street. Uh, this is Brooklyn I'm, I'm talking about. Uh, and began to interact with non-Jewish uh, children. And I uh, very quickly realized that I need to learn to speak English. And uh, so I acquired both a Yiddish and English facility. And uh, uh, at the age of seven, I was put into yeshiva. And uh, it was there that I acquired uh, my facility with Hebrew. And I gather your work with Yiddish translation began early on. Um, you served as, and correct me if I mispronounce this, for which I apologize, um, you served as a Schreiber, um to your grandparents, which uh, you helped yes. them handle their correspondence with Yiddish-speaking yes. relatives, um, et cetera, and sort of doing translating bilingual letters in Yiddish and English. So tell me a little bit about that. Yes, th th this is an interesting story. Uh, my uh, great uncle, Isidore, who was my grandmother's brother, was uh, central to bringing my grandparents and my mother to the United States from Eastern Europe. And uh, by about 1950, he retired from doing his work. He was a uh, garment merchant on the Lower East Side, Delancey Street. And uh, he and my Aunt Sarah uh, retired and moved to Florida, where they uh, took an interest uh, in running a motel for a while. And I don't have to tell you that making telephone calls in those days was a rather expensive luxury. So the older people decided to uh, communicate by a letter. Uh, my, uh, my uncle uh, did not have good facility in English, so he wrote his letters in Yiddish. My aunt, whose family spent some time in Scotland before coming to the United States, had a good command of English. 
And so she would write uh, the letter in, uh, in English. And this letter, this letter would come and it would be in two languages. And uh, I had uh, sort of like a, a double uh, advantage working for me. Uh, my grandparents' eyesight was not that good. So they wanted me to read the letters to them, which I did. And then afterwards, uh, my grandmother in particular uh, would sit me down and say, uh, now I want you to write an answer back to your uncle and aunt and make sure you write it in Yiddish for your uncle and translate it into English for your aunt. And that went on for 10 years. Wow. Um, and so that gave you your, your early uh, beginnings in working yeah. in translation. Yeah. Um, so then let's jump forward. Um, when did you first become interested in Yeshka books? And maybe for those who are listening who are not as familiar, you could just talk a little bit about the books. Well, uh, a Yeshka book uh, is a form of a memorial document created by Jews uh, from Eastern Europe who either immigrated or escaped the Holocaust and came to any number of countries, could be Israel, could be the United States, Canada. And when they learned of the totality of the destruction of their communities, they felt very uh, uh, moved uh, to put down on paper uh, their memories of where they uh, grew up, uh, how they were educated, what, 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 what life was like in uh, those countries and uh, package it as uh, a book that would go into a library. Now, please understand it's not a compendium of a country by any st stretch of the imagination. Uh, if there is a book, for example, that talks about the the destruction of uh, Jewish uh, populations in Lithuania, that's not a Yisker book, that's a history book. But if uh, you talk about the destruction <clears throat> of the Jews that lived in a little shtetl like Utena, which is in uh, Lithuania, uh, that's a Yisker book. And um, the way I got interested is twofold. One, I was very interested in putting together a family tree so that we all would understand who was related to whom and why. And secondly, uh, about 1983-84, a cousin of mine came from Israel, whom I had met on a prior trip, and uh, the, uh, the, the secret was he was bringing me a present, and I had no idea what it was. And he gave me this book, and it was a memorial book that was written about the town where my family comes from. Uh, I uh, was elated. Uh, I sat down and I uh, started to read it. It was written in Hebrew, but the interesting thing is if you read the foreword of the book, you find that the editor took the trouble to translate all his raw material from Yiddish into Hebrew because he was concerned that the younger generation in Israel would not be conversant enough or understand Yiddish and would not read the book otherwise. So here I had a Hebrew book that had been translated from Yiddish, 
And I started to read it. I had no interest immediately in translating it. But when I got about uh, a third or a fourth, well, let's say even a half way through, it suddenly occurred to me there was history here about this town that I ultimately wanted my progeny, my children, ultimately my grandchildren, to at least know. And um, so I decided to undertake it as a translation project. And that was the first one that I did. Um, it's interesting that I started this about 1995 when computer word processing wasn't all that good and then abandoned it for two years until word processors became uh, more uh, prevalent. Picked it up again and finished the translation and then published the book in 1991, 92, thereabouts. And uh, I thought that would be the end of it. Uh, wouldn't you know, I have a Lanzmann uh, who lives in Rochester, New York, of all places. And he sends me, by this time, there's email. So he sends me an email. He says, Jack, I have this other Yisker book that uh, you may be interested in. It's from a town that's not too far from uh, where your people come from. Would you like to have a look at it? And I said, well, sure, why not? Uh, so he sent me the book, and I started to read it. And... This book was entirely in Yiddish, and I uh, got about five pages into the book when the resonance of the words struck a nerve in my, my mind, struck a chord in my mind. And I said, this is my Yiddish, as opposed to Yiddish from, say, Hungary or uh, Poland or Germany. This is the Yiddish that I remember my grandparents speaking. And I said, you know, let me translate this book as well. And that's how the whole thing got started. Every time I started one, uh, I would finish it, publish it, distribute it, and then uh, go on to another one. Uh, and uh, I discovered by uh, speaking with the uh, librarian at Yad Vashem, who at the time was Dr. Robert Rosette, who recently retired, that there are about 700 and 1,723 such books, uh, a small subset of Yiddish literature, of which over 450 are written solely in Yiddish. And I was concerned, uh, being of a generation that probably is the last or next to the last generation that has a good facility with the language, that this information would be lost to people who had a curiosity about what went on in these towns. So I decided one by one just to take these books and translate them. And I've been at it now for 30 years. Remarkable. And how many um, have you translated? 15. Wow. And have you um, commissioned others to translate them or all of this is, you know, your work so far? This is all my work, and yeah. in fact, people come and commission me to do work. I've done two of those books, uh, actually under contract to uh, Lanzmann Show. Mm -hmm. well, these are remarkable books. I mean, they're such a rich source of stories and photos. They've got maps and other documents. Again, as you said, they're really... Um, I don't want to use the word scrapbook, but they are, they're contributions from everybody within the community. Um, and 
they are just incredible records for, I think, descendants, scholars, historians, and just any of us who are interested in learning aspects of life um, before the Holocaust. Um, and one of the things I think is so interesting and I wanted to ask you about is I know that the maps within the books, um, some of the books have maps, are incredible documents. I, I was visiting in Poland and so much of you know the Jewish community and where these shells were, is it, it's no longer there. But if you have one of these maps, you can begin to retrace the footprint. Um, and so true. they're just they're amazing documents. So have you have you had a chance to use them in that way, or are you finding that people are accessing these for all sorts of reasons? Well, I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, I certainly uh, uh, I do not have a taste for travel to that part of the world. So I have not done this, but relatives of mine have done it. They've sent pictures, and uh, we have pictures of the town that we came from in Belarus, um, which is fairly representative of what it looks like now. Uh, the only pictures we have of what uh, was left of it uh, are in the book itself. In other words, people saved books, and perhaps one of the most touching of the uh, <clears throat> pictures is a couple who, who are named in the, in the uh, title of the film sitting in front of a burned out synagogue, the, the great synagogue of Zelva. And uh, there are other pictures that are available, usually group pictures. Uh, they're not very many. Uh, you know, people didn't uh, collect big albums in those years. And I think uh, given the time in which uh, this work was done, which is largely since post-war, World War II, 1945-6, I would say mostly up until about, say, 1975. I think 80 percent of the books were written in that period of time. People worked laboriously, who were really dedicated to this. They assembled whatever pictures they could, which and normally was not very much, and wrote memoirs. And each of them uh, would typically write what their recollections were of their life back in uh, that community. Uh, and this was, by the way, written not only by Holocaust survivors, but also by people who were fortunate enough to have immigrated away from Eastern Europe long before the Second World War broke out. Uh, I think one of the very interesting books that I did was the uh, Yisker book for the shtetl of Zamosh, which is actually a city in southeastern Poland. And it was uh, written entirely in Yiddish, but it was published in Buenos Aires. And um, I, I, can, I cannot imagine the amount of work that people went through uh, in order to get that book done. They had subcommittees in all the major countries of the world where there were Jews. Uh, they assembled uh, a, a treasure trove of information about their houses uh, and, 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 and their families. And the one thing I give them all credit for is to the extent possible in all of these books, you have a necrology at the end in which those who did survive provided names 
of victims, martyrs of the Holocaust to the best of their memory. And they almost always uh, end uh, their introductory paragraph with uh, begging the forgiveness of those whose names they have either forgotten or have not been told about uh, because this is an imperfect work of uh, people doing an imperfect job. Was there one person who kind of spearheaded this or one town that did this first? Was there a template for this? I, you know, I'm just curious how it, how it all sort of came about in a way. I, in, I, I invented my own. Yeah. Um, I, I've been using it ever since. Mm-hmm. And, and, and what about originally how, um, how the Yisker books were compiled and, um, you know, you mentioned committees and things like that, but is there one that sort of um, came out and then inspired others or I guess just what's the genesis of it that, that, or is there done? question. I do not know and uh, neglected to ask Dr. Rosetta at the time, what was the first one of these? Because there's 1723 of them. Uh, I, I have no doubt that uh, whoever thought of it uh, did the first one, and I think others um, saw that as a model, because all of the books sort of follow a same generic outline. Um, they give a little bit of the uh, history of the town, even before the Jews moved in, if, if, if they have the access to that history. Uh, then they talk about the, uh, the arrival of, of Jews, their settling there, uh, the extent to which the Jewish community flourished, uh, how people made a living, uh, how they built houses of worship. Uh, and in those uh, places where uh, the population was large enough, they would establish yeshivas. Uh, for the training of the young, and um, they, they, they would uh, describe that as well. Then, about two-thirds of the way through the book is when you hit the Holocaust, and um, what happens there is you get mostly memoirs of people who survived, and they explain to you uh, what happened when, when uh, the Germans invaded Poland, and the consequences of that afterwards. I can imagine that. Let me just at the end Mm -hmm. is is where they put the necrology. Mm -hmm. I I imagine, Jack, that this is really moving work and at times it's very challenging um, as you're working your way through this. Have there been resulting stories from your work? You know, did you go further to find out anything or have there been sort of, uh, you know, any that really resonated with you in terms of the work as you were going along and doing the translation? Well, well clearly, uh, uh, the first one that I did, which is for the Shtetl of Zelva today in Belarus, uh, which is the hometown of my grandparents and mother, uh, resonated with me quite a bit. And I recognized a lot of the names 
uh, took the trouble after the translation was over to make that available to the family. I uh, was able to flesh out my family tree uh, a little bit more. And uh, so that made an impact on me personally. As far as the others are concerned, I, I developed a, a game. Uh, and it's not original with me. It's, it's really a, a game invented during the Middle Ages by people who wrote books, not necessarily of this nature, but they wanted to get money in order to defray the costs of publication and distribution. So I made my work increasingly known to a larger number of people, you, starting with my family and then spreading to my friends and then beyond my friends to colleagues and uh, gave them an opportunity uh, to put some money into a pot uh, that I could use to hire a printer and uh, a distributor. Uh, I take no uh, money uh, for the work that I do, except in the, the two cases where I, I took a commission. Um, and uh, the reactions have been marvelous. Uh, 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 so, some have been uh, just praiseworthy over the internet. Uh, I had one lady call me up uh, 10 years after I had published the book, and she said, uh, Jack, are you the one who published the Belitza Yisker book in English? I said, yes. She says, I've been looking for you for 10 years. Uh, I said, well, uh, do you want some? I happen to have quite a bit of those left. And she arranged a party uh, for me to attend at a cousin's house in which I brought 35 books with me that I had in storage and left with none. They, they just took them all. Wow. Um, and uh, I've, had, uh, I've had like experiences with two or three of the other books, but uh, not as a rule, not as a rule, because this is an obscure subject. We had a similar one years ago at the center. A family, three-generation family came to the center to visit, and they'd come from far, you know, some many states away anyway. It was a long trip and getting all the generations together, and we were about to close, and, I, and they were still looking around at some stuff, and... Um, I said, it's okay, I, you know, I, I can stay here at the docent desk for a few minutes, you know, finish your visit. All of a sudden, um, the son of the grandmother, or the, the elder of the generations, um, came over and thanked me. And I said, no, it's, you know, it's no problem. He said, no, 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 really, thank you. I don't think you understand. And I said, what? And um, his mother had just randomly opened a Yisker book, and there she opened to a page where she was in one of those rare group photos wow. as a teenager and had never seen it. And it was just, you know, there was no rhyme or reason for her to open to that page. They were supposed to have left, you know, it, and you just, it, it was an incredible experience to see that, you know, that was the connection. And then to see her son and grandchildren gather around that book and realize um, there was so much family history there. So um, it's it's such an important project that you're doing, um, and it seems like it's a project of love for you. It but, is. Um, 
you know, we are all the beneficiaries of it. So we certainly hope that you'll continue. I guess one question would be, um, how long does it take to do one of these? It's not an easy undertaking for two mm-hmm. reasons. One, first of all, these books are usually substantial. This is a book for Rava Ruska, which is one of the next to the last ones that I've done. It's a book that runs about 665 pages. Um, and one and was one of the better received books by the families who subsequently funded the printing and the distribution. I was able to get rid of 125 books without blinking an eyelash, except for being the senior uh, shipping clerk. Um, and uh, I think the people from the from, who are descended from those who are on the in the shtetl uh, appreciated a great deal. So before I let you go, Jack, um, is there a way for our listeners to see the books that you've translated to find out if there's uh, if there's one that they would like to purchase or what have you? Do you have a website? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, it's www dot zelva z-e-l-v-a dot org and okay. that will take you to a, f- a front page and in the upper uh, left hand corner there's a little square that says Yisker books if you click that you'll be taken to a page where all the books are, are written and it will tell you what I have left in terms of hard copy and what's sold out now, the ones that I sold out, uh, I have an experience in one case of actually having two printings over and above the initial printing. But that's, that's I don't expect to see that again. Uh, what I did is took a PDF copy of um, the books that I don't, don't have, and I put them online. They're there. People can read them, and people have. And and, um, I would also mention that the Yiddish Book Center, in collaboration with the New York Public Library, we've posted close to, I think, 800 Yisker books, which are available in in the original language, Yiddish, uh, Hebrew, or combinations of of those in some other languages. And that's available on YiddishBookCenter.org and just search Yisker books in our collection. Um, I, I so want you to know that's how I do my translations now. I access your database, call up the Yiddish version, I split my screen in half, and I type in English in the other half. Ah. Well, um, <laughs> we're so glad you're doing it. Uh, and are you working on one right now? Yes, it's for a little shtetl called Sokal, which is near the Ukrainian-Polish border, not far from Ravaruska, the, the one I just spoke about, and not far from Bells, where, you know, Mainstetl of Bells comes from. Well, well, Jack, thank you so much for taking time to visit today and, and for this for this work that you're doing. I'm sure the rewards are many for both you and um, I'm sure for all the rest of us who are able to finally access these books um, who don't know how to read it in the original language um, and for bringing awareness um, to all of us about the the importance and um, sort of the 
the trove that's to be dis, you know discovered in these books. Um, so thank you, and we certainly hope to see you at some point when we're able to reopen and, and um, welcome you back to the center. Thank um, you so much. I really. All right. I, I'm I'm grateful for the opportunity to make my interest known to a larger audience. Um, well, I will leave it with one more thing, and let's just give that website again. It's um, www.zelva, Z, Z as in zoo, E, L, V as in Victor, A, dot org. Great. All right, Jack, um, all the best. Stay safe and stay well in these uncertain times, and um, I look well, forward to reconnecting soon. You've been listening to The Schmooze, a production of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. To subscribe to this and other podcasts, visit YiddishBookCenter.org. I'm Sarah Blakefeld. Be well, be healthy, and tune in again soon.